Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back at long last to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. I am still Joey Weaver. I am still a Georgia Tech alumnus and a Louisville fan. He is still Mike McDaniel, still a Virginia Tech alumnus and a Notre Dame fan as far as I know. I mean, it's been a minute, Mike. How still you, there. Uh, how you been? I'm still there. I'm good. I'm good, Joey. Everything's good. Life's good. Yeah. Everything's good. We're, you know, we said that we'd get back on the horse a little bit more often. And then we didn't record a podcast for like a month. Month sounds right. Yeah, yeah. But hey, been a been a busy month, uh, and just you know, happened to be that I'm playing a road game again here. That's how we have time to uh, record. Apparently, is when I go on work trips, so that's good. Hey, I mean, got to record sometime. So here we are. Of course. Well, and and no better time to record than right before you uh, go on vacation. Go on a vacation soon. Yes. Uh, Going up to the Hamptons? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a tough life, Joey. Somebody's got to do it. Uh, <laughs> not, yeah. Uh, not going to the Hamptons. Uh, going up to New Jersey, though, to catch a Atlantic boat. City. Uh, no. I, I've never been to Atlantic City. Really want to go. And I will be on a cruise for the next nine days, uh, starting Thursday night. Uh, <laughs> ports include Bermuda. Puerto Rico, Haiti, and St. Martin, with a few sea days and a lot of drinks in between. So it should Ooh. be good. Well, that does sound like fun. I've been to all those places on cruises as well, although they start much farther south than when I've been on them. Usually, Same. usually. Florida or uh, Puerto Rico. But I love cruises. What, what cruise line are you going on? Uh, Royal Caribbean. Uh, always a winner. Wh- which ship? One of the big ones? It's one of the big ones. Uh, I believe it is the Anthem of the Seas, if I'm not I, mistaken. It's one of the newer boats. I'm jealous. I haven't been on any of the, the more recent, bigger releases. I, I'm a sucker for Royal Caribbean cruises, though. Um, are you going with a going with a family, taking the girlfriend? What's the, what's the deal? Going with the fam. It's actually my sister's graduation present. So oh. she graduated from tech, so we got two... Virginia alumni Hokies now. Yep, Virginia Tech, the real, the real Tech, right? We got uh, two alumni. <laughs> two, okay, two <laughs> alumni Hokies. As of about a week and a half ago, God, that was awesome. That was an awesome scoreboard comment. I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> um, um, it's one of the few years you can get me with the scoreboard comment. Except, I think you might catch us in basketball maybe at some point. Maybe. Well, we'll have to see know. about that. But Yeah, probably not, but maybe. Um, congratulations to the sister. Yes, so anyway, yeah, back to that. So, yeah, it's a graduation cruise for the sister. So, it'll be cool. A little family trip action going on. Very exciting. Sounds like fun. Um, I'm actually going on a cruise myself here in a couple of weeks. We're going um, 
flying up to Vancouver and going on an Alaskan cruise with the wife's family. Ayo. Ayo. Yeah, it'll be nice and a uh, nice break from the heat that's started showing up in uh, around my neck of the woods. So, um, yeah, we're kind of planning out cruise days for that. One of the days is interesting. I, I've never been on an Alaskan cruise before. I'm sure some of the folks listening here have. But one of the stops is in Glacier Bay, which it's really interesting because you start looking through the, uh, the, the different excursions you can go on throughout the day. And you get to Glacier Bay, and it just skips the day entirely. And so apparently the itinerary for Glacier Bay is chill out in Glacier Bay and drink beers and take pictures of glaciers all day, which, hey, I'm okay spending a day doing that. Oh, by the way, um, also the thing that's kind of kept us from recording has been crazy for me is uh, wife and I got moved to the new house. So that's that's coming along. Uh, we got some stuff unpacked, and uh, so now it's a matter of uh, dropping a whole bunch of money trying to furnish it, which is going to be uh, you know great. You think you've... You think you've finished it once you've just paid for the house and you're good and you got a place to live and then you realize you got to bought groceries, did all that good stuff, you know, but now I don't have a grill to cook them with and I don't have, you know, furniture in half of our rooms and all that. So yeah, we're about to just drop a whole bunch more money trying to put stuff in the house, which the thing that they don't tell you about buying a house is that you got to fill it. Cruise and furniture. So your wallet's going to be hurting. Oh yes. Oh yeah. That's, it's. It's not going to be a pretty month of June for the uh, the old bank account, so uh, we'll have to see. Maybe I'll get some basketball conference podcast therapy in, in the meantime. Um, oh, fun story, too, while I was unpacking uh, the desktop, my personal desktop that I usually use to record, I found out that the main power cable that goes to the desktop itself uh, got lost somewhere in the move. Slight problem. So now I've got a really tall and expensive paperweight sitting somewhere until I get a new power cable, so that'll be fun. Um, luckily one is on the way and thank you Amazon prime that it won't be too long before it gets there. So good stuff. Free shipping. In any case, Mike, we've got a few things we've got to follow up on and, and various football related or otherwise types of things. Uh, the last show that we did, if I'm remembering this correctly, we talked a lot about the NFL draft. Can we, can we start there? Yeah, we need to, we haven't had that draft recap pod yet. Here it is. All right, Mike, can you just, and were you watching the first round live? I was watching the first round live, unfortunately, for Deshaun Watson. Okay, so when you got about 12 minutes into the live broadcast and the San Francisco 49ers were on the clock and then announced that they had traded their pick to the Chicago Bears who gave up three picks to move up a single spot, and they took none other than your boy, Mitch Trubisky. Can you please reenact your reaction from this moment when that happened? First of all, I took it from a John Lynch perspective, right? He's like playing Madden with his kids when he's not commentating games, and now he's sitting here like, oh my God, real-life trades are as easy as Madden. So now he takes three picks from the Bears for one spot, moves back one spot, they take Trubisky. While, you know, Mike Glennon, by the way, is at the Bears draft party watching this all unfold as the quarterback of the future is now taken one spot ahead of where he should have been. Well, I multiple spots. Well, let's backtrack here. Multiple, multiple spots ahead of where he should have been. But he's taken at number two overall. The Bears were drafting three. Trubisky is in the room with a bunch of executives, right? Hanging out, Bears fans, executives everywhere at the draft party, 
and all of a sudden he's like, wow, we just traded a bunch of picks to go get the quarterback that's going to inevitably replace me midway through the season. What is going on? By the way, go Wolfpack to what Mike Glennon. Uh, yeah, former ACC great. Yeah. That'll be a fun rivalry to uh, rekindle in the quarterback room up there is the NC State-UNC rivalry. That'll be good. Um, yeah, so I was I was at a bar watching this, kind of sitting out on a patio type of thing with a few friends from work who are all reasonably casual college football and NFL fans. And I think that they started to get a little concerned about me when I was losing my mind and literally just about fell out of my chair when... I saw what the Bears did with this. I, I could not, could not believe. It's, I mean, it is one thing to take Trubisky with a top five pick. And, and by the way, before we get any more into this, like, this is not a, like a, a, a knock on Trubisky as much. You know, is it good for him. Like, this is a great thing to have happened to him. You, you got to be happy for him. This is a huge deal. You know, props to him. But for the Bears, I mean, I, I started texting a roommate from college who's a big Bears fan, and he told me he wanted to be a Falcons fan. Like he told me he was he was done with that. Like that was, yeah. And I told him he knows what kind of heartbreak that brings. But we're not going to go there yet. But we can if you want to. I'm here for you. I'd rather not. But any, in any case, uh, yeah. I I mean I I was in disbelief. Not only that they took him with a top five pick, but that they gave up as much as they did to move up one spot, and to get a guy that reasonably like the 49ers weren't going to take him anyways. Like. The 49ers still got the guy that they wanted, and they got three picks along with it. Yeah, they, they were all about Solomon Thomas the entire time. They were like, oh, word, we only have to trade back one spot and still get the guy we want, and you're going to give us three draft picks? Yeah, sign me up. John Lynch is like, okay, give me an A already. I've been on the job for 15 minutes, and that was the easiest trade in NFL history. Yeah, sold. It was like he, you know, somehow got the, uh, what is that, like NBA trade simulator online to work in real life. Like it, whatever. Okay. Um, The other pick that we thought was interesting was Deshaun Watson going to my adopted Houston Texans uh, at number 12 overall. The Texans trade up to go get him. Um, Seems like an okay spot to be. He's going to back up uh, former ACC legend uh, Tom Savage. A lot of ACC quarterback battles here, Bruin. There sure is. I mean, the league's got to get their quarterbacks from somewhere, and it sure is hell going to be the SEC. But um, Deshaun Watson going to be with the Texans, probably not going to start the season, but will likely end up starting at some point during the season. We'll be curious to see if the supposed quarterback guru, Bill O'Brien, is able to do anything with that. Um, so kind of keep an eye out on that. Um, Mike Williams also is Clemson teammate goes in the top 10, number seven to the chargers. Um, think he could be a really good pro one day. And, uh, somehow Dalvin cook falls out of the first round, goes into the second round to the Vikings. I think he could be really good there. I think that could be a really good fit for him. That's an excellent fit. I mean, if you're going to fall out of the first round, you're going to lose a little bit of money. You might as well go to a team where you know you're going to produce. I think the Vikings is a great spot. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the guys, Mike, that we, we talked a bit about and had some concerns about and those concerns came true was Gerard Evans. Uh, left college early. We felt like that was a little suspect and then is not drafted and doesn't seem to really have a lot of strong uh, prospects right now. I mean, I haven't followed up on him after the draft. Has he been able to sign on anywhere? So the Eagles end up paying him out you know, some amount of money uh, for waiving him as part of like the injury clause. 
but it's not a situ- good situation for Evans because now he's injured without an NFL home. He left college early. He's probably wishing he was working out getting ready for a senior season attack at this point. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that that is not a good situation at all. Not one that you really want to be able to want to have to claw yourself out of. Um, his teammate from Virginia Tech that I was really curious as to how far he f- they fell. Really, two of them. Bucky Hodges falls all the way to two hundred one in the in the uh, sixth round to the Vikings. Uh, Isaiah Ford in the seventh round to the Dolphins. Those are both pretty far falls for what I would have expected from those guys. I I think those teams probably got some pretty good value. And just to get a Georgia Tech mention in here, uh, Harrison Bucker, the kicker, goes to uh, the Panthers at number 233 in the seventh round. So Georgia Tech had somebody drafted. It counts. hey Mike, where do you want to go next? Uh, real quick before we move on, Virginia had their consecutive player drafted streak snapped. So LOL UVA. Ugh. Sorry about that. How long was that streak? A long time. Sh- Don't quote me on this. Shockingly long? A very long time. Like, yeah, like 15 or 16 years long. Wow. That's impressive. Oh, you, Doesn't make much sense, but... I mean, you figure they'll get that started next year with Quinn Blanding. Yeah, something tells me he might get drafted, huh? <laughs> he's he's okay. Yeah, I think he'll uh, I think he'll fare just fine. Where to next, Mike? Uh, what are we doing? Early signing period? Is that what we're talking? We still talking yeah. about what, Yeah. What yeah, no, no, we can move on to the early signing period. That was something that got dropped here uh, in the last couple weeks, right? Yeah, so early signing period by the NCAA. There's now, I mean, pretty simple, straight and to the point. Uh, handful of days, I believe three days, right, Joey? Uh, three days now available uh, sometime in the month of December, um, late December, early January. It's a 72-hour window within a week before Christmas, so it's like right as bowl season is getting started. Yeah, where uh, your prospects can now sign. Uh, with their respective schools, which I think is great because you get too many situations nowadays where players kind of hesitate and they leave teams in the dark. And, you know, I, I think it's a good it's a good situation for all parties involved because the players that want to be at the school and they know they want to be at the school, they don't have to wait till February to sign on. They can sign on early, uh, you know, get all that paperwork taken care of and then enroll early and be able to you know, participate in spring camp, which ultimately for a lot of these players is kind of what they're going for if they're able to graduate high school early. So I think the early signing period is great for those types of players, uh, the players that know they want to be at a particular school. And I think it also provides the flexibility. You can say, hey, you know, this is the first milestone. Where do I think I want to play college football? If you don't know by the early signing period, that's cool. You still have until February to make your decision. I think I tend to agree that it's, it's probably best for all involved to have that available. Um, it I mean, one of the things that that I've heard Paul Johnson talk about, and, and he's been a major advocate for this kind of just general recruitment systems reform of you know what we've been doing. He, he's got a lot of ideas on how this should change, and he's very honest and shameless about them. So, but that's one of the things he's talked about is you know he's had a lot of players. It's it's been a few years since this was really an epidemic, but Georgia Tech fans will remember that their 2013 recruiting class was just. Uh, a pretty absolute, you know, in the, in the tank as far as uh, as far as his recruiting classes have gone. And part of the reason was he had like three or four players flip away from their commitments within like forty eight hours of signing day, you know, kind of thing. So I, I think that was partially a source of frustration. But it's it's one of those things where these kids have been committed for months and they know that a certain school is where they want to go, and then all of a sudden something shiny shows up. And next thing you know, they go chase that something shiny, and three years later, they've barely played, or 
you know, they're, they're just not happy and it's not what they wanted actually. Um, and so I think this provides a little bit of protection from that, that aimless kind of poaching of, of guys just to fill last minute spots. Um, at the very least, it'll probably lock down certain players earlier on. It'll it'll make it easier maybe for some guys to enroll early, um, and it and it kind of is a, is an honesty thing too. You know, if certain players are committed to a certain school, but they're not ready to uh, not ready to sign. I mean, they're they're gonna have to give a good explanation for why that is. Um, the, the maybe the biggest downside I've heard is if certain players are committed to to play at significantly lower level schools. You know, and that's either G5 level schools or even like FCS programs. And if, you know, maybe then if, if uh, an FBS or a power five type of program would come knocking in the spring, you know, in January, now at this, at this point, if they've signed on, they've signed on and that's it. Um, and so it could kind of uh, provide some sort of um, issues in those types of regards, you know, for, some of these FBS teams trying to fill out lower portions of their uh, recruiting classes. But all in all, I mean, I think generally a, a pretty positive change and something that'll be good for a lot of ACC teams in particular. Yeah. And, you know, the second part of that, which I briefly touched on and you did, you know, you did a great job going into in depth was the team aspect of it. Right. So the school, like, why does this benefit the school? And I think what you were saying is absolutely correct, where you have these these players that all of a sudden get this scholarship offer they were never expecting to get, and it comes out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, this school that they've been planning to commit to or verbally committed to, which is such a joke in and of itself, these players that verbally commit, and then they go on official visits elsewhere. It's like, what are we doing here? Um, and that's what the early signing period is for as well. So these kids that verbally commit, you know, sign on right away. But, you know, these teams all of a sudden are not left high and dry with a commit that, you know, was basically a hard verbal commit and they knew that they were going to get this player and then all of a sudden out of nowhere he says oh just kidding I'm heading I'm heading elsewhere and so to the player's benefit to the team's benefit you know sure it can be a bad thing for a player for the examples you gave the group of five the FCS scenario where all of a sudden you get an FBS offer and it blows you away you know your first FBS offer you want to you want to jump at the opportunity if you think it's realistic that you'll play there but at the same time I think it's good for the player to sign on have the decision kind of not necessarily made for them, but kind of made up in their mind right away. So they're like, hey, early signing period, I'm going to make this decision now. If they choose to do that, they sign on, boom, they're done. They're not worried about it anymore. Um, and, and I think that's a good scenario for both the player and the team. You don't have all these, uh, both the players and the team with the coaches in limbo wondering if they got this commit signed, if they don't have them signed. You don't have the player waiting for that next big offer and leaving a school high and dry. So I think it's just really good for all involved. Yeah, this year is is going to be the first rendition of it, so we'll, we'll have to find out just how things work out with it. I think one of the things we've seen consistently is they've put in new clauses to the rules, things like this, over time, is that there always intends to be unintended consequences of some form or fashion. And so we'll, uh, we'll have to find out what those are and kind of uh, reevaluate once we know what teams are going to do to try to circumvent the rules or or use these to their own advantage but time will tell um mike anything else football wise before we move on to a couple of other just random topics one last thing with that early signing period i'm curious to see how it's utilized like how many players end up using it Mm -hmm. coming out of school i think that's the one thing to watch for because 
you have this early signing period. It makes a lot of sense for both sides, right? Especially if you're ready to go to a school. School's ready to have you on right right away. Go play spring ball. Do your thing. I'm really curious to see how quickly this turns into a real thing. Or if this is just going to be like, hey, this is like a benchmark. You can use it. You cannot use it. Are players really want to make that early decision or not? That's going to be a whole other thing. And you know, I think for a lot of these players, they feel like they can, you know, sign on with a school early anyway. I mean, we've seen it before. These players that have already been signed and are already in camp during National Signing Day, they're they're all ready to go. So I think that's an interesting aspect to watch with this whole thing. Well, and my other thought is that one of the unintended consequences you might end up with is you might see a lot of kids stop signing because that's something that I think we always forget is that the rules don't dictate that you have to sign a national letter of intent. Um, you're allowed to just show up at a school and get a scholarship from them, and it's from there on out it's like any other player. But um, if you don't sign with anyone on National Signing Day or in the signing period thereafter, that's I mean that doesn't disqualify you from playing. It just kind of changes some of the rules around what you're being guaranteed and such. So what you might end up seeing is players keeping their options open as long as possible in the form of not signing and then just showing up to the schools that they're planning to commit to anyways or changing their mind in the meantime. And, you know, real quick, a college basketball example. So Texan, they're running for this four-star point, uh, shooting guard who's MJ Walker. He's scheduled to commit tomorrow, announced his commitment decision. Well, the basketball signing period actually ended about a week and a half ago. So in MJ Walker's case, he's got it down between Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, UCLA, a few different teams involved there. Well, he's just going to enroll. And I think that's, you know, a great point that you bring up. You know, a lot of these players, you know, end up not even signing a national letter of intent. They just end up enrolling at the school they want to they want to go to. Um, so, yeah, like you said, changes the paperwork a little bit. Uh, a lot of it now, especially with how much we've glorified recruiting um, and we've you know, brought it to a whole nother level. You know, ESPNU has the whole day dedicated to it. It's really gotten to the point now where it's kind of blown out of proportion. National Signing Day is really all for show at this point in time. Um, but, you know, it's a big deal to a lot of these players uh, making decisions now that will impact the rest of their lives. I'll be curious to see kind of where this goes. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to keep, it, keep the folks updated. Mike, are you a cheap beer drinker? I uh, was. I don't consider myself a cheap beer drinker anymore, but... We all went to college once. Well, I mean, you and I went to college once, so <laughs> don't want to speak for everybody, but a lot of us, I'm sure, have been there. And if you didn't go to college, you probably still drink cheap beer at some point or another anyway. I was going to say college or no college, we've probably all been through a cheap beer phase of some variety. Because um, we got a question from Mr. Dan Rubin, who you all remember from uh, Boston College. I, I believe it's goldeneagle.com or uh, bceagle.com golden eagles uh that's southern miss yeah 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 no yeah that was just i yeah i missed that field goal well um <laughs> two yeah fo- two football teams are irrelevant so you're close <laughs> uh dan rubin anyways you remember him he's been on the show recapping boston college topics from time to time he he wrote us in a twitter question mike uh, he he wanted to know your thoughts on Pabst Blue Ribbon, otherwise known as PBR, and uh, Miller High Life, otherwise known as, and I hope I don't get this wrong, the Champagne of Beers? Is that Miller High Life? Champagne of Beers. Give me that Miller High Life all day long. This isn't even a contest. Really? Yeah, absolutely. They're both horrible. They're both bottom rung in the tournament of beers. 
Did you ever go through either a PBR or Miller High Life phase? Uh, no, I did not. Natty light phase, though. Well, natural light. I went through that for a little while. Yeah, that happened. But then, then Natty light got really expensive because they started marketing it so much and it became like a brand name, which is really bizarre to have like a brand name of like an aggressively cheap product. Yeah, it's unfortunate to cheap beer drinkers everywhere. <laughs> Quite the shame. I I, uh, I ask because uh, like the last year and a half of college, that was all the beer I drank was pretty much PBR um, because it retained its low low price and taste wise for the price, I thought it was actually you know passable. Good way to put it. So I I understand why it won that blue ribbon like 200 years ago or whatever it was. Um, I'm a PBR guy. Hit me up with that PBR. Uh, I I will still ride for. Paps Blue Ribbon, which somehow it still retains that name. Like that that ribbon is disintegrated by now. It is not not in existence. It's been so long ago. PBR. I mean, this is like a three hundred year old beer. It seems like you know. I mean, this is like not a situation you want to be in. Wikipedia tells me that was that. PBR was originally brewed in Milwaukee in 1844. I was joking, and I wasn't that far <laughs> off. We are literally approaching the 200th anniversary of this. Uh, the current name comes from the blue ribbons tied around bottlenecks between 1882 and 1916. So, uh, before World War One, how about that? You got to tighten that blue ribbon around my neck as hard as you can and make me drink PBR any more <laughs> than I have in my entire life. I never want to drink PBR again. Like, if you... Give me literally anything. You, sir, are missing out. <sighs> Am I, though? I... Yes. Okay. Well, depending on what your other options are. Yeah. But if your other option is Miller High Life and you take that, you're missing out. I'll keep my <laughs> options open. We'll see what happens. Fair enough. Okay, Mike, one other thing we got to dive into from a culinary perspective before we kind of get out of here. So playing a, a road show, I, I'm in this... I keep traveling to this little town in South Texas, and um, by the way, a little tidbit here: I, I with where work is going, uh, I'm not going to have to be coming out here too much more. So that's a a good sign. Promotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's been a good, been a good couple of weeks at work, so uh, we'll we'll see how much longer I'm having to come out here. But in any case, where I've been coming out to is this small little town in South Texas that uh, population like 2,500, so super small. But there is a, a steakhouse here, and it is an affordable steakhouse. And by that I mean I think the most expensive thing on the menu is like $24 or something like that. So uh, I can eat there and pretty much eat whatever I want there without busting the, uh, the meal allowance for the day. So um, that's usually what I end up doing is getting steaks for dinner. And um, I, had to, I had to bring this up. It was something I was thinking about was I was eating there for dinner tonight, and I had, a, of course, a, a nice steak coming and uh, the server drops it off by the table and asks me if I needed any uh, any ketchup or A1 or any other steak sauce or anything like that. And I I was really kind of appalled at this, Mike. Uh, I don't I don't know your preferences, but I, I halfway want to respond like you damn well hope not. You know I, I better be able to eat this without steak sauce. Um, are what are, so I want to talk about steak preferences here. Are you, first of all, are you a big steak guy? I'm a huge steak guy. Okay. Love a good cut of steak. Um, okay, so are you are you eating steaks with sauce, with any sort of ketchup or bernays, hollandaise, anything? Nothing, dude. I take the steak as straight up as I possibly can. 
if that makes sense. Like, I, I'm not a sauce guy. If you know, why put sauce on it and you know kill the taste of the steak? Why would I do that to myself? That's where that's where I'm at with it. You know, why would I ruin it with some sauce if the steak's really good? Now, if the cut of meat is just like average, right? If it's just average, maybe I'll use a little A1, right? Maybe I'm at like you're talking about like a sirloin or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking like filet mignon. I'm talking like a little sirloin. You know, I'm at a poor man's outback, so like not a real outback and <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting like you know a sirloin that looks like it was frozen like give me that A1 give me that salt and pepper I know seasoning is going to come up here shortly give me Put, anything you got everything's going on it a little bit of extra flavoring yeah yeah you got to tolerate the taste somehow right usually though that's not the case fair enough yeah, no, I, I am not, not a steak sauce guy at all. Um, I, on some occasions, it's certain, even, and I kind of regret to say, reasonably nice steakhouses, I'll, I'll get a little bit of like a hollandaise or bernays or something like that to go with it. But I usually try not to use too much of it to where it'll just cover up the flavor of the of the meat. Um, Seasoning-wise, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I actually, I mean, if I'm making a steak at my new house, for instance which I haven't yet because I don't have a grill, so this is really like throwing a hitch in my giddy-up. But if I am, uh, the seasoning, I, I'm just typically going straight salt and pepper, um, you know, pretty straightforward. Maybe a little bit of uh, maybe some garlic and maybe a little bit of uh, cayenne if you're, you know, really feeling adventurous. But that's, uh, I feel like that's a pretty quick uh, change in flavor if you add more than just a kind of a dash of that cayenne. So be careful. I agree. I could see that. Um, Cam Underwood and I actually had a nice Twitter discussion one time after I, uh, I think the first time I ever tried to go for something a little spicy on there, I, I instead went for chili powder and it actually worked out surprisingly well. Um, again, don't overdo it, but it was a kind of a nice flavor. So yes. So, so you're just straight salt pepper or salt pepper, man, straight salt pepper. I try not to even put salt and pepper on it. Like I'll put, actually, that's a lie. I tried to put too much salt on it. Like, if I don't have to, put a little bit of pepper, let fresh ground black pepper. Dude, we can talk culinary stuff all day long, man. I love food. <laughs> I can eat all day. I'll eat all day if you need me to. Uh, it, same, same. What, 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 uh, if you, so if I, if I tell you, like, Mike, I'm going to take you out to a steak dinner. I'm going to treat you. You know, you get whatever you want on the menu. What, what cut of steak are you getting? <sighs> man... Dude, if I can find myself, honest to God, like what I've been doing lately as we go into, um, I've been going to like these Japanese steakhouses with my girlfriend, which are very expensive, right? But mm-hmm. we'll be going there and I'll, I'll get like, I'll get the filet, right? Filet mignon and shrimp. And you get like, that as a combination for like 25 bucks. It's a little expensive, right? But for what it is, I mean, that's for what it is, but I've been eating a lot of that recently, right? So I'm on, like, a filet binge, but, like, obviously, if, I mean, for any of us, right? Like, if you're trying to have money at some point in your life, <laughs> don't eat filet mignon every day. Like, for most of us commoners, right? Like, I'm not trying to eat filet mignon all the time. So depends on, you know, I can go, like, a center cut, right? Like, uh, some sort of sirloin that's not, like, fatty and horrible. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, see, I, um, I'm not a big t- 
Not a huge T-bone guy. Like, I, I could go for a T-bone. I'm not a huge T-bone guy. Always medium, though. I eat my steak medium for the most part. Medium. Interesting. Medium. It's not bad. I uh, I, I am a sucker for a good ribeye. Um, I, I am a ribeye kind of guy. I, I like a little bit of extra fat in there. But if I'm if I'm dieting, trying to, you know, contain the, the calorie intake, as it were, uh, I go for New York Strip. Those are always good too. There's a little more lean, but very nice. Plenty very of good nice flavor in there. Um, I'm good for a, obviously a filet mignon or anything like that. I those typically come in smaller cuts, and I'm looking for. I'm you know I need a little more food to feel feel satisfied with my meal, and that's where I would go for a strip or a uh, or a ribeye. But in any case, um, I I am not one to turn down a steak, and so I ultimately I don't really uh, don't really uh, care too much on what kind of cut it is. Um, I'm with you. Even I, I even like to uh, get some fajita meat sometimes. Use steak fajitas. It's a, uh, a nice Texas tradition down here. Uh, get a little skirt steak and marinate that a little, little bit and grill it up and throw it on some tacos with... Anyways, but we're, I'm going to make myself hungry. But, uh, yeah. No, I just... I, you know, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm a medium rare guy. Um, it's, it's funny because when, when I was growing up, um, my mom is very touchy about making sure that her meat is done enough when she grills or you know when has someone cook for her i think it was something that she learned from her parents and all this and so everything in my family was always ordered medium well and that was like all i knew to ask for when i was a kid and then one day somebody was like why are you getting it that far done i was like i mean that's that's just what you do and they're like no no you should try that you know try it medium and it was like a whole new world mike it was you know, and so finally, I'm down to like medium rare. I, I that's, I could probably even go more rare than that at some point. Like I just don't really care as long as it's safe to eat and I can you know taste the flavor of the meat and it's still reasonably moist. Like I'm, I'm right. good to go. Yeah, no, I mean I was in the same boat. A lot of medium well because that's all I knew, and then I went to medium, which it's a little bit more pink in the middle, right? And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, man, this isn't that bad. So I'm. <sighs> See, my whole thing is, like, a lot of people get rare or medium rare. That always worries me a little bit, right? Like, I need to make sure the steak's cooked. And, you know, people eat rare steak all the time, medium rare, have no problem, right? It wouldn't be an option if it wasn't safe for you to eat. For whatever reason, though, I've never brought myself to the point where I'm like, yeah, you know what, today I'm going to get a rare steak. It hasn't come to that point yet. Maybe it will at some point. My mother-in-law eats them uh, what she calls Pittsburgh-style which is basically sear it and serve it. Um, I think it's you crank the grill up to like 600 degrees and two minutes on each side and put it on a plate and eat it. So that's rare as it gets, I guess. Mike, we uh, we had like five things to talk about on this podcast, and we planned on talking about it for about 30 minutes, and here we are at 40, so it's the old uh, basketball conference special of drawing these things out way longer than we want them to. Uh, anything else that you want to hit before we get out of here? No, nah, I think we're all set. Can we go over some of the uh, the new Facebook page likes real quick? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Like I like I said last time, I, I want to make sure that we're uh, calling people out that like our Facebook page. And so uh, folks that have done so since our last show, uh, Alex Gonzalez, Caitlin Vos, Dan Rubin, Mr. Justin Cates, Patty McKelvey, Paul, Wagon, Paul Van Wagoner, sorry, uh, Brent White, and Connie Marie. Uh, thank you guys for supporting us on Facebook. As a reminder, if you guys go find us, uh, facebook.com slash basketball conference. 
uh, hit like, and we'll be sharing all of our stuff there. We'll try to get a little more of a following, maybe start doing some Facebook Live stuff, maybe as the season gets closer or anything else. You know, we'll, we'll try to keep interacting with you guys there. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can find us on SoundCloud, on uh, iTunes, on Google Play, and you can also send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. If you guys have questions, comments, concerns, whatever, you know, hit us up on, on Gmail and uh, let us know your thoughts on the show or anything else. Um, but yeah, other than that, on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, subscribe, like, review, share us with your friends, all this stuff. We're trying to grow our reach as much as possible. And obviously here in the uh, offseason, we're talking about football as well as a whole lot of other things. So I uh, hope you guys are enjoying, but send us feedback as you have it. Mike, anything else before we get out of here? You know what? We completed a podcast, so that's good. <laughs> we got we got through one, Joey. It's like riding a bike. It's been a good day. Um, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to meet up after your cruise. Have have fun on that. And uh, I think there's a, a little overlap of time between you getting back from your cruise and me going on mine. So we might have to uh, drop in a quick update then if that uh, if that works for you. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys about a month. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we'll sneak some time in. We'll sneak some time in. Find a way. Yeah, we're gonna try to make sure that we don't go a full month again. That, that was kind of a long time, but you know, uh, try to keep stuff coming in the off season as much as we can. So. In any case, uh, Mike, we'll talk then. Ah, sounds good, Joey. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know what that was. All right. Anyways, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey Weaver. Till next time, go ACC. Go ACC.